Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Your Favorite Records. I'm Anders Nyberg, your host, and I'm here this week with Nathan Benson. And uh, we will be talking about Nathan's favorite album, which is um, the 1975's album. I <laughs> the, the name of the album is uh, <laughs> I Like It When You Sleep, For You're Beautiful Yet So Unaware of It. And this album came out in... Um, 2016, I believe. 2016. All right. So, Nathan... Uh, it, this is this your favorite album, or is this just an album you want to talk about? This this falls under uh, I feel like an album that is in my top five that I could grasp the lyrics of and the emotions inside of the album more than just kind of if it was instrumentals only or um, you know it was kind of chopped up into chunks and it's like oh this is about this and i understand this being a human sort of thing yeah i totally get that and that is kind of one of the nice things about the 1975 i mean i to be honest i really hadn't heard much of them before this but i've kind of gone into their discography a little bit and it totally does seem like you know pretty approachable um indie music and you know the the themes are pretty interesting that they're talking about um so yeah that's cool. Um, anything more you'd like to say specifically right now? Just as like a yeah. general introduction. Just just in general, I feel like their music is... Um, here. Um, they, I feel like 1975 is a band that'll make a lot of statements. Or Maddie as a writer, uh, Maddie Healy, will tend to write his music as letters or direct conversations with people or groups of people or even ideas hmm. where um, I had a, an analogy here where it's like uh, Claire de Lune or like classical music to classical paintings like Van Gogh, 1975 is to like modern art that you stare at a museum and you're like, yeah, okay. Or on like to the more chewable side where it's like Banksy, where it's like, this is an idea. I understand the idea. Uh, I think one of the main ones that came to my mind was like throwing the flower bouquet where mm -hmm. it's like make love not war sort of vibes where they're not always as like chewable, but the idea is laid out in front of you. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, that's a good way of sort of framing them as a band. Uh, so yeah, like if we're going to be looking at the 1975, I always think it's good, you know, looking at any band, uh, to just sort of look at maybe their trajectory before we get into this album, look at where they came from and, you know, how they got here. Do you know, like the history of them as a band? You know, I know that it was nearly a garage band startup. Um, I don't know much about how the friends met per se. So they're like lifelong friends. They've they've been together for a long time. I know that they actually started this when they were pretty young. And um, uh, one of the songs actually is an interesting point of that where they added, I believe it was, um, where is it? Please, uh, no, it's not. One of their uh, songs in here they actually had was the first song that they've ever written. And they decided to put it into this album. This album. Hmm. Yeah, is that. Um, 
But besides, I don't think I know the specifics of like where they met or how they met. I just know it's just like for a lifelong friend sort of thing. That's cool. And it's cool that they're still together, you know, all of them, if they're lifelong friends. Uh, and then this is their second studio album, right? Yes. Yeah. So did they have any like EPs or singles or anything before their yeah, first? Yeah, um, they had, I can even pull this up. They had a lot of uh, some of their singles that they dropped in the album beforehand. And then they collected it as an EP. They have a specific name for the EP, and then it was 1975, and then... So 1975 album. was the, fir- the the introductory, the first studio album? Yes, I believe. So Face Down EP, um, Sex EP. Isn't Face Down one of the songs in this? No, it's a different thing about it. Something yeah, like it, that. Is, it is actually called upon. That is uh, the song that I had mentioned. Face Down is the lyrics... It is pulled from the lyrics into... I can't even remember the song they put it in, though. Okay. But that is the first song that they ever wrote. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll be getting back to that point when we're talking about the songs in this album. Um, but, yeah, looking at the... Did you have anything more to say about that? So, looking more, looking more at the first studio album, do you, uh, what do you, what did you, did you, do you like the first album that they were released? Yeah, like, I feel like... I mean, with a lot of bands, uh, especially 1975, it's like hey, we're a band, let's make a popular song, and you have songs like Chocolate and Sex, or it's like, I guess Sex was a bad example, but um, songs are like, hey, I'm listening to this on the radio, Mm -hmm. and the lyrics are just so in your face. But then also on that same album, and we are definitely going to get back on this, you'll have songs like Menswear, where it's like, whoa, this is like an instrumental basically that evolves into like how old are these kids yeah and then you have robbers which is like whoa i'll get into robbers robbers is a tie-in to one of the songs in this album Big that's time. cool so they kind of have like sort of consistent themes that span their discography absolutely all right that's always good to hear you know like it's it's good that they're not you know just making pop music you know they have some like overarching theme which is good um, I found, okay, we can start to move on to the, this album. Um, I mean, just from a non-listener's perspective, you can see that the first album is like, it's like the sign or this board that's black and white. And then this album is like the exact same board, but it's white and then pink is the, the, do, do you, that probably has some significance. Yeah, that is, that is like. I think directly correlated to the theme, we are, they've concentrated and juiced the 80s here. I feel like we are in dream pop. We are, um, I mean, just as an example, the first one I'll get into in a moment, but throughout the album, you have examples from like Prince, B-52s, some of the like the larger pop singers I, I didn't really hear much madonna but that kind of theme is like wow somebody did their damn research like some top 10 80s stuff yeah. yeah um and in one of the songs we'll get into where maddie healy has a deep love well i believe the whole band actually has a deep love for american throwback 80s american culture and music and just the idea of they were touched by this music. Yeah. I even hear some Talking Heads influences in some of the instrumentals. Yeah. Um, so then, 
Yeah, so it's sort of like this neon-soaked 80s because it's got like this pink neon thing going on. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's is that like their theme of this album? or It is indeed, where it's like each... Um, uh, I actually bought the album when I was younger, when I was a little kid, and they had... I guess I'm not a little kid. It was like eight years ago or how many? This album? Yeah, it was it came out five years ago. Five years ago. Oh, man. <laughs> um, not that long ago. Uh, each, uh, the title of the album, they actually created a neon sign for each, like even the super long one, and they set it in the setting where the song belongs. Okay. Like, if I Believe You is set inside of an old catholic church at night and so it's like a is it like this. a picture of no, that that's a real neon sign that they had made and then they light it up inside this like you see this massive like gothic church and then just like this glowing neon sign right in the middle that's interesting you know it's like a the correlation of what that means to the album um cool so we can talk, we can get into, we got a long track, lengthy track list here. Got 17 songs. So might have, oh might have to sort of start getting into the song by song, you know, analysis. Uh, the first song is called The 1975. I, I didn't listen to their first album, but I saw that that is also called The 1975 on that. That's their fir- the first song on that album as well. Yes. Is that yes. something? 1975 by The 1975 is... I believe how they frame each album, each the theme of the album, the vibe, you could say, continuing with the album, um, the first, their debut, this album, and then the album that um, that was allegedly an experimental sort of album, the uh, Inquiry into Online Relationships also had that. But then something had definitely changed in their newest album, uh, Notes on a conditional form where it's the 1975 by 1975, but instead of the same song in a different theme, it is totally different. It's but a new, that's a conversation for a different time. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the, basically uh, the the in that one they use the Greta Thunberg speech to. Uh, oh yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, to uh, get this sense of urgency, and it's a very, hey, like this, the year is like twenty nineteen. It's time to start doing something. Vibe throughout the whole album, but back to this one where it's like the first, this nineteen seventy five, uh, title card song of the album is a lot more like echoey, wispy, mm-hmm. breathy. Like you get more synth. Um, in, in this one yeah yeah uh, there's like a choir oh it's like it's pretty emphasized cool. there is a a good amount um especially with if i believe you to like gospel music and the ideas um behind classical uh yeah. gospel yeah that's it that's cool um yeah uh I mean, before we get further into this, I gotta say it, my my impression on just this album, you know, I I was I've always been a skeptic of the nineteen seventy. <laughs> I I think that there is a lot of good stuff in this album, but I just think they I don't know they need to like cut out a lot of stuff like it's too long. Understandably, <laughs> that's the one thing I I mean I said that with the first album too, where it's like they've got some like awesome songs in there, but it's 
it's very much like a high highs and low lows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, not saying that their low lows are bad. They're certainly interesting, but they're not an interesting that belongs maybe within this piece of this album specifically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got it. It's got to be hard as, you know, like a songwriter, you know, you write all these things and they're, they got to be like really meaningful to you. They, it really seems like he's probably a very passionate songwriter, but you know, at some point you gotta, you gotta sort of cut out the stuff that maybe what doesn't belong thematically. Yeah. Um, with a lot of his songs, you'll, uh, we'll go over some songs that are really like, wow, he is like, his heart has been cut open like a can opener. He's spilling it on the table for us going into detail. And then there's some songs that are like, here's the point. And then we repeat the point again in the chorus. And then here's a sick ass guitar solo. Yeah. You know, um, where it's, it's awesome and it's might be an emphasis on the point, but there's no middle ground between those two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the, you said like the 1975 song is sort of like, it's almost like a palate, you know, like a palate cleanser, yeah, sort of like, yeah. this is what to expect. So like the first real song is called Love Me. Yeah. Anything you'd like to say about this one? Yeah. So this one is the first one, like it opens it up and you're like, okay, 80s. We, yeah. we are the 80s. And... This is, they pull out, they actually kind of sample a lot of different technique, techniques in this one that is kind of spread out more in the other songs. But you'll things, uh, you'll hear things from the uh, theremin and orchestral-esque synths, uh, exaggerated theremin? reverb. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So it's like sort of a retro synth. Yeah, like uh, Thomas Dolby, uh, Blinded Me With Science. Oh, sort yeah. Of vibe. Uh, B-52's Wang Chung, I heard. Okay. Uh, just like some inspiration from them. And right into the meat of this song. This song is not a love song. It's, it's like, <laughs> it feels a lot more like, yo, is this love? No, no, no. It's just... It I thought it was like, it seems kind of like it's about obsession like obsessing yeah. about people it's like it's a i feel like it's a relationship without substance where there's there's a great quote in this where this i think it's specifically about one person in this one where um it's a relationship based on like uh fame being a part of a society there's a lyric caught up in fashion car crashing panache and a bag of bash for passion mm -hmm. and that is one he created a completely new word there Carcassian. car crashing it is a mix you have the contraction of car crash inside of kardashian oh. <laughs> this this idea of like i am going you know i don't keep can i i'm not sure if i can curse on the you can curse it's like i don't give a fuck about what happens to me um, but I gotta do it so, like, it looks okay, and then my societal reputation is uphold, upheld and everything, and, um, I'll have the attitude of somebody who can walk down the runway without, like, with no soul behind it. Yeah, that's, that's the vibe I got, too. And, I, 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 a line that I liked in this one, if this is the one I'm thinking of, is this one where he talks about, there's like a line about taking a picture of your salad and putting it on the internet or is that? Oh no, that's later. <laughs> oh man, that's good though. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, it's about, so it's a relationship well, based that, on... That one is change of heart. Okay. <laughs> so it's a relationship that he's in where... So is it like somebody obsessing over him and his fame, or is he in a relationship with another famous person? It, I, I'm not sure if it's a famous... That's a great question. I'm not sure if it's a famous person specifically or somebody maybe who's just wealthy or a female that is... Um, just kind of like, oh, you get society, okay. Oh, yeah, he's a big part of society. Or, like, if somebody is, like, who's your boyfriend, she will not shy in saying Maddie Healy from the 1975, where mm-hmm. she is... Part of the attraction is the fact that he's popular. Yeah. That's got to be kind of a hard thing. I, I never really thought about that. I mean, I don't really like to dwell on, you know, the problems of multimillionaires. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> that's got to be kind of an interesting problem where you're in a relationship and you don't know if it's based on just anything real or just, like, you being a famous person. Mm-hmm. Um, we can move on to the next song. Um, yeah. Ugg. Ugg. want to go, there's one more quote that is literally what you just said. You look famous, let's be friends, and portray, and portray that we possess something important. I mean, yeah, just summarized it perfectly there. So the next song is, Ugh! You need to say it really <laughs> loud, because it's all in caps. Um, but this, what, what is this song about? Ugh. I, uh, oh, wait, first, actually, I have one more thing I'd like to say. So, sorry, Love Me. Uh, the intro really reminded me of Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet. Oh, it's like, nice. and that, that song is based on Prince, Yeah, which is, uh, this is the, he probably got some Prince vibes from that yes. too. He loves Prince. You can tell throughout like his, oh, great connection. Like his, uh, guitar solos are a little bit more like he'll hold the one note and then play with that one note around a little bit. And that's kind of, um, with both the electric guitar, the synth and the saxophone here. Yeah, totally. Um, um, these, so this song is weird for me, Ugg. Uh, I'll just go into what I think about it first. Cool. I think that the instrumental, kind of annoying, to be honest. Like, uh, I mean, most, for most of this album, I really love the instrumentals. I think they're awesome, but the lyrics are sometimes not as interesting for me. But that's just personally for me. Um, but for this song, I think the lyrics are really interesting, but... The instrumental is less so. Yeah. This uh, recurring themes is a big fan. I mean, is a big thing with the 1975. Manny Healy likes to connect his songs and the albums like a big spider web. Okay. And um, this is the first one on the album that's like addiction is a theme that you'll be hearing a lot. Yeah. Um, and later in his life and in the album specifically, you'll get into like heroin and some less party drugs and more just like life debilitating drugs but this is cocaine for him this is his uh um from a few interviews he's been in but uh quoting it i know your lungs need feeling since your gums have lost their feeling kind of throwing back to i can't feel my face when i'm with you by the weekend but don't say that you're giving it up again do you have a card like when you're chopping it up and then my irregular heartbeat is starting to correct itself okay this album to me is like when the phrase are you giving it up again when he says giving it up again it is cut from that phrase 
instead of having the inflection of like, I'm giving it up again. Or like, are you giving it up again? It's cut like, giving it up again? So where it's a battle between, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah. Sort of like, I mean, addiction. Yeah. It's a very cut and paste uh, one where... Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's kind of hard to hard to listen to. Yeah. But, like, do you know much about his problems with addiction? Is it something he's struggled with for his whole life or a long time? Yeah, and I really, I don't want to say gateway drug. I do not think marijuana is a gateway drug. But in songs like Chocolate um, from the first album, that song is not actually about chocolate. It's all about weed. Mm. <laughs> it's like, the lyrics are, um, her hair smells like chocolate, and they're all, it's... Where at a younger age, drugs and cigarettes and things were being introduced as just like, hey, not only does this seem kind of cool, but this is kind of enjoyable. And then it just like step ladders from there where it's like, well, if that was all right, not insinuating that it is a gateway drug. Yeah. Just the concept of experimenting with drugs, experimenting with substances definitely started at a younger age for him um this is really lame but i thought of uh like yoda do or do not there is no try for this (laughs) (laughs) why what what about that um because you know he this is not a you know i can do it like every once in a while or for a party oh yeah um he's gonna he has to cut it out of his life totally or like, or just keep going down this path. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's kind of all I have to say about that one. We can move on yeah. to the next one. I I believe the next one is a change in heart. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one. Yeah. The instrumentals especially were really cool. It's got sort of like this rudimentary synth, like sort of like, almost like droning, you know, back yes. and forth. It like comes back sort of around the chorus, uh, but it sounds really cool. Now, this is um, the self-described ballad of this album. Uh, and this one is really simple message. I thought I loved you. I do not. Okay. I'm pretty sure this was just infatuation sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, this song is the second act or the inverse of the ballad from the first album robbers oh where there's a correlation to the lyric in robbers where she has where he has a song that says she had a face straight out of magazine god only knows but you'll never leave her and then compared to change of hearts you used to have a face straight out of a magazine now you just look like anyone I just had a change of heart. So he like he felt he fell in love with this person because because of like their looks or some superficial reason, and then he kind of fell out of love with them. Well, with you know, it might have a little bit of kind of hey, I'm uh, I have these insane emotions for you. Oh wait, I, I have this written down here, where um, the dynamic between these two songs are from robbers where it is a ballad where 
they're literally going to commit a crime and they die together. I would literally die for this woman to, yeah, never mind. You clearly don't have the same emotions for me, like within the same galaxy, not even on the same level. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I wasting my time here? I, I thought it was kind of like, I don't know if I really liked this song. It's, it's, I like, am I supposed to feel bad for him that he like, like, I, I don't care that you got, you fell in love with some really, some model or something. And then you realize that you didn't love her. Like, like, what am I, what, what am I supposed to get as the listener from this? You know, you know, there, uh, I'm not sure if this is where like, he's definitely an arrogant person. Yeah. I don't think he cares. I think he's just, uh, self-pity. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's a lyric. Sat in self-pity and cried in my car. <laughs> I just had a change of heart. Where he is, he's a selfish man. He's writing just because this is one of the strongest emotions in his life. Mm-hmm. Not specifically because he cares about what anybody else thinks of him. Where it's just like, I'm not saying he's being a baby about it. And like people all experience heartbreaks. But, yeah. Uh, it's really it ju- it dramatic just... about it. Yeah, this this song specifically, the rest of the album is fine, but this song really, the lyrics really made me feel like it's coming from like a place of privilege, like, like where he's like, (laughs) he's like, feel bad for me. It's like, dude, like, (laughs) like I looked him up. He is like, he was like born into wealth, you know, like he, like he, he has probably not had any real, I guess he's had some addiction problems, which is real. And I feel bad. I'm sorry that he's struggled with that, but. Well, I think some of that actually comes from having access to it with the money, you know. Yeah. Um, that kind of scene life, um, being a part of that. Um, one more connection I, I had between the two songs, Robbers and Change of Heart, was in the beginning of Robbers, you hear this, like, organ in the background play a three, you know, like, da na 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 But in this one, it's a very slow, drawn-out three-note pattern that repeats throughout the album. Okay. Um, Matty Healy has a quote on this. Such a simple song, three notes, and the truth. That's a little cringy on the last part, but uh, (laughs) it it is like the correlation between these two songs. And actually, he has another song later in the album specifically on this feeling, not just realizing it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, going into that, like the bringing up, like you know, the the organ and everything like that. We can like the the construction and like the engineering and the the just the musicality behind this whole album is definitely pretty stellar. And I can see a lot of really talented industry professionals are involved in it. Like, like that's probably my the highlight of this album for me. Like the production is top notch. This man is obsessive with how he works with people, with how he prepares to work with people. Um, He, this is not like, hey, let's go over to the studio for a day. He will move to record an album, like an entire summer or entire year to record an album in a location where he sees fit. Like this, he moved to California for a studio that he enjoyed. So he moves for the studio or for like the location vibe? I don't know. For the area, the vibe, the feeling of it. I always love, I love to hear that about, you know, musicians where they like, you know, they, they, they feel some vibe from a specific place and they're like, I can, I can extract, you know, the necessary emotions from this, which is, I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. Like there is, 
a few Andrew Bird albums where he like he records like he, he records an album in a river and he gets inspired by the river that he's and it's just so cool. But anyways, back to, back on track. We can move on. Uh, uh, she she's American. This is the next song. Yeah. This is this is a bit. This is a hit, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Um. This is this is one of those uh. A direct, um, connection to the what we were just saying about moving studios where he's living in California while recording this album and. It's there's a correlation to like wow I love this vibe but man this this isn't home yeah like these people this is different this is almost Bioshockian in the way where it's like these humans have a completely different way of thinking mm-hmm. they're raised in a completely different culture uh, these women almost look at me like. I'm an oddity, like a zoo animal sort of thing. Because he's British? Because he's British. (laughs) Yeah, where it's like, wow, you're so interesting because you're British. What's with your teeth? Why aren't you eating so much when you don't have a gun? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that whole, all of its stuff about Americans, like, like, you know me, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I love making fun of dumb Americans. Like, that's great. But like, some of this stuff is like a little, (laughs) it's a little much with the... Dumb Americans type stuff. He's really on the nose on a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm assuming he, he's had some on-the-nose experiences. Like he talks he about must have. Yeah. Where literally had a custom engraved gun. <laughs> where, I mean, yeah, I, I have not personally met uh, or dated anyone with a custom engraved gun. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, in- <laughs> instrumentally... <laughs> This is kind of a funny thought I had when I first listened to this one. I, uh, the intro instrumental, I, I, for some reason, I was like, this sounds like like a cheesy 80s family sitcom, like the theme song. And, it, you know, like where they like zoom in on each character's face yeah, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's, that's just for whatever reason what I thought. Uh, I mean, but it also goes back, you know, definitely the 80s vibe is still present. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything more. Do you have anything more you'd like to say about this one? No, that's that's pretty good for this. Um, if I believe you, this is a cool song. This, this is the crown jewel for me. Yeah. I don't think it gets any better for this this album. Um, just from the way he squeezes every drop out of the eighties to the history he digs into with the gospel music to um, the just straight up uh, emotion he puts into this. Song. Yeah, definitely. It's it's always nice hearing a full choir in a pop song. <laughs> yeah. Um and then yeah, the lyrics are very interesting as well. Yeah, he is he's talking directly to God in this. I mentioned that he likes to talk to people or letters sort of um he is talking to very specifically Jesus. And mm. this is an interesting part in this song where um like uh there's a connection actually where is it toss and turn in my bed just like i lost my head and then that that comes into later with the song lost lost my oh head. yeah mm-hmm. um but in this one you know he's lost in pain stuck in addiction depression being raised on a planet in a country where a large part of the inhabitants believe in one specific religion but what is interesting with this he's not looking at the idea of god like in one person look at this like a monotheistic religion it is like the stereotypical someone else's view of christianity 
you know, growing up hearing, um, was it this like Jesus in movies, church, pop culture, talk shows. Yeah. This very social idea of Jesus. Yeah. That is an interesting thing to bring up. Is it total? They're different people. Like they're different ideas. Like yeah. Jesus, the way he's been commodified is kind of disgusting. That's where it's like, um, even even people that don't like are complete atheists will look at people like the Westboro Baptist Church and go, "Oh, they're fucked." Yeah. Like compared to the to the rest of like uh, any vague Christian uh, denomination you might have, but um, the soul of this song is this man, like, I, I need whoever, whoever Jesus is, whatever idea of God you are, I, I would love to have your help here. I would really mm-hmm. into this, but I just, I can't buy into this. Mm-hmm. I just can't have it. You know, it's not there for me. Okay, so, so he, he's an atheist. Oh yes, he is. He is not shy about how he views religion, from songs like Antichrist to <laughs> to um, later he expresses in Nana how like uh, she has had uh, she is very specific in her religion, and that's probably had uh, a very intense um, what's the word inflection on his life on. Uh, Nana's life. Yeah. yeah but, we'll, we'll go into that one at the end. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely. Um, it is, yeah, it is, yeah. It, I, I, the one the one thing nice thing about this song that I do appreciate, I mean, I'm not religious either. I find some, some meaningful messages and themes and stuff from religion, but I'm not religious myself, but... I think that it's, I like that even coming from an atheist perspective, he still kind of pays homage to a lot of religious traditions. Like he has gospel choirs singing and, you know, like, like he, he definitely respects a lot of different things about it while also, you know, pointing out some obvious, like wrong things that are going on there. Yeah. Uh, was a, was a good one. I am a, uh, I'm an evangelist. I'm a lesbian kiss. Where it's like, at the same time where it's like, I'm sorry, this is me. You know, um, he has a line that's kind of, it's like an interesting from like a theology standpoint where he says, um, if I'm like, what is it? If you wanted me to be your child, you shouldn't have made me an atheist sort of thing where it's like, a mix of the battle between free will and religion. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think it's an interesting song. But, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so the next one is Please Be Naked, yeah. right? This is, I believe so. Um, this song, I, I heard, I, I saw the uh, um, the name and I was like, I'm going to hate this. It's such a dumb name. <laughs> it's like kind of cringe, you know? Uh, but I actually really like this song. I thought it was, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, this, I mean, uh, sonically, this is insane. The it, layers it, of this. It's just, it's an instrumental. There's no words. Yeah, um, where, 
so the common theory behind this, kind of like in a Pink Floydy standpoint, is that this is sex. That the the buildup from the breathy synth to the soft piano to the almost heartbeat like drums, just like the kick in the back, that doom doom is kind of running through the emotions you might feel. Um, it definitely could be that, uh, yeah. and it kind of comes back down. But it's like there's so many layers to this where he almost has uh, what he samples in the background. You'll hear pages flipping, and then he almost adds that to the song like it's meant to be in the rhythm. And there's like a car driving by almost and a door opening where it's like it is painting an acoustic picture of either a moment he's had with this person or... Whoever he's talking about in the title. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, I really, for some reason, the first half of this song, I was really reminded of, uh, forgive me for butchering my Icelandic, but the album Medsudi Eram, which is a Sigaros album, uh, is sort of, it just like has a lot of the same like driving, like driving like drums that keep like sort of getting louder and louder and then the piano as well which i found really cool um yeah if you haven't heard that album check it out but yeah anything more you'd like to say about this one yeah well i mean just thinking about it right now like was it tuck by them it yeah has, it has a lot of the same like build-ups and uh slowdowns where it's like it has it has a overarching just like vibe yeah it's almost like prog rock-esque yeah that's a cool connection um yeah i mean the, the like i definitely will be the first one to say you know this is a kind of a bloated track list but you know if he was going to be cutting stuff he probably would cut this one but i do really like this song you know uh the next song is what is the next song? Uh, Lost My Head, I believe. Yeah, Lost My Head. Now, this is allegedly the first 1975 song from Face Down EP, where it's like he had... Uh, this was... I'm not sure if it's just... Oh, it's one of the like the common repeated themes that he'll have, like addiction, sort of like that, but... Um, confusion and being lost mentally is a big thing. Yeah, that he experiences a lot. I, I I like that that sort of that idea of you know losing your head. It's 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 some interesting imagery uh, mm -hmm. for sort of a very common thing to ha that people experience. And it was this one is nearly like an instrumental. I think the first time, like five years ago, listening to this, I had skipped through it halfway through, thinking like, well, another instrumental sort of thing, going back, going, oh yeah, oops. Mm -hmm. It says lyrics sort of thing. And that's that's actually a theme, uh, even on the first album, or uh, menswear. It's an instrumental for like 90% of it, and then it has lyrics. Yeah. But uh, you know, the, do you know cool. why? Like this is this is we're probably about halfway through the track list right now, um, and now we get a few instrumentals, a few, like this isn't an instrumental, but it's you know pretty close, as close as you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. And do you know like the significance of that? Uh, he, you know, 
this actually, I believe it lands in the same order as the instrumentals in the, the previous album. Um, he is an artist when it comes to music too, where like even at a young age, they were very good at instruments. I mean, they, they knew what they were doing. He can play piano quite well. And he is, I think this is his, his instrumentals in general are kind of like his attempt at classical or his idea of it. That's cool. I mean, that definitely shows for better or worse in this track list where you can tell that he's multi-talented and he kind of shows it. He's kind of arrogant about it. But at the same time, you know, it kind of sacrifices some of the continuity of the album. Yeah, you know, I feel like some some artists would release the instrumentals as like a completely separate album almost. Yeah. But he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to put it in there. Yeah. But, you know, it's weird. I don't think he's putting it in there out of necessity where it's like, oh, I got to fill up this time because this is bloated. Yeah. And this, I totally agree with you on that where... Um, he could have had like a clear cut point of like, this is how I feel about these people. This is the album, bam. But it's not. It's like whoa. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, and lost my head. It's all one word, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if that means anything. We can move on to the next one. Uh, well, actually, it lost my head. What do you think of the instrumentals here? What was it uh, wavy? Uh... Like it, it's near. It was like waves with the simple drums and the guitar. I like the orchestra at the end. That was kind of like okay, wow. yeah. It's a little classed up for for an instrumental. I I almost feel like this could have been a completely uh, workshop song. Yeah. Where I'm, I'm not gonna say that he gave up on it, but um, he believed that it was done where it was. It kind of has some like sort of shoegaze, uh, dream pop sort of sound to it. Yeah. We you could, know, that could be too. It could just be like increasing the theme of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because he definitely l- loves to lean into it on this album specifically. More so than his other albums? Yeah. Well, this is like, you know, up until recently for the last like two albums, the first one not so much, but like... The second, uh, the experimental, and now like the fourth album that they've had, and will always have like a little bit of eighties in there. But this is the first one where it's like, bam, eighties. Yeah, you can't deny it. You can't listen to this and not realize that, really. Yeah. Um, the next song is called "Loving." Oh no, no, it's not. Uh, it's called "The Ballad of Me and My Brain." Mm-hmm. Now I, I believe this is just like the continuation of Lost My Head. Oh, definitely. This is putting lyrics to it. Um, Getting lost in the idea of like sex, drugs, rock and roll in a very realistic point of view. Mm -hmm. Like um, relationship between the songs he releases and how society responds and, you know, within relationships and specifically his day-to-day life sort of thing. Him trying to, I think he like paints a picture of him walking through just like his daily life and then people looking for autographs, people trying to find like, hey, yo, Manny, Manny, Manny. It's just like, okay, just let me chill. I don't even know who the hell I am right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's got to be hard, being in the spotlight all the time. Oh, I do think it's also another one of those silver spoon things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just leave, man. Just yeah. get out of there if you're having, like, if you just can't take the society that you've created. And that's coming from somebody who's never really been in the spotlight like that. So I don't yeah. really know, but it does seem touch of arrogant there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we can recognize it as being sort of a... Like, like a very privileged problem and also sort of analyze it as, you know, it was still being, you know, probably not an ideal thing to <laughs> have happened. Yeah. Um, anything more you'd like to say about this one? I, I think that's all I got on that album. I heard that song. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next song is called Somebody Else. Yeah. You know, in general, I, I do feel like with a lot of these songs, I can't be like, and that is definitely the theme 100%, and there it is. I mean, I don't think he knows for someone where it's just kind of like, well, there's the idea, and then where's it going, and then it's just kind of, I'm not going to say it's whining, but it does, it does seems like he'll drone on a single topic yeah. for a little too long sometimes. <laughs> Um, Somebody else. This is this is the most famous song in the album, and probably their most famous song. Yeah, this one's ever. blown up on Spotify for sure. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> There's definitely better songs in the album. I I believe it is. To you know how close it is to like a modern like radio song you'd hear, where it's like you got your beats and your drums. Um. You know, it it does have some emotion to it with, like, regret. Or I get this idea of, like, this kid getting a new toy, so he gives his old toy to, like, his younger brother. But then he, like, looks at his younger brother having so much fun with that toy, and he's like, well, I kind of want that again. Yeah. I don't, but I kind of want that one. <laughs> but but it's, it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship, which is kind of odd, where it's like, it's like an very uh, objectifying almost. Yeah, I know. I thought that too. It was kind of like, kind of gross. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of, but to be honest though, like me saying it's kind of gross, like this is like a pretty standard breakup song. Like you hear, <laughs> like you hear this stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, which says something about our culture, I guess. Well, but. It's, it's like a very humanizing way to put it where it's just like, uh, me, ugh, like sex, don't like your emotions, you know, very just like, yeah, cut and dry. Yeah, it's like not really treating another person like an, an individual person, you know, yeah. just being like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, which, whatever, you know, I don't know, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have much to say about this one. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's interesting just to like talk about where it's, I feel like there's ideas that he will put forward that are like well i get what you're saying but like why are you so enthralled with this idea why is this like i didn't feel like this is worthy to make i don't know i feel like he probably has a pretty obsessive personality i absolutely agree with you 150 percent. from the way he creates his music to the way he views people i mean shoot there's a song on the next album that's like talks about um you have thoughts and it's called inside your mind 
It's basically painting a mental picture of him wanting to split open somebody's head so he can have the thoughts that belong to him. <laughs> I mean, he is, in all sense of the, like, obsessive is the correct phrase to have there. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Um, and, you know, at the end, where is it? Uh, get someone you love, get someone you need, fuck that, get money, where it's kind of... It's objective, like objectifying on the opposite term where it's very, like, very, maybe not as selfish as I thought originally, but either, hey, I need to work on myself or, like, why, why even waste my time with relationships when I could be leveling up money-wise, life-wise, stuff like that. Yeah. So the next one, loving someone... Um... I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's interesting that he plays it right after somebody else. Cause it's not, is it, it it's, it's like less like cringy in that way, but it's still kind of like a love song. Uh, I don't know. You know, it almost seems like a, like a review on how society functions with other people's relationships with kind of like, holding up the status quo instead of showing kids that they matter, who are they going to batter next sort of thing. Uh, just keep selling them sex is a theme that he has where it's like, what's his impact on other people? It, you know, this one is weird where it's like, it's got some deeper themes, but uh, I don't know where it really sits on the what's your point sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe I missed it here. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, you know, at this point in the album, uh, going forward, I kind of, these songs are probably the, <laughs> it starts to go downhill at this point. Well, for, for this one, it's, it's almost like this is the closest to an American rap style. So when I hear like a British rapper, it is completely different than American rappers rap style. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, how I view he, he raps almost like. Uh, Christian telepathy, exploring insecurity and preying on the purity. Yeah. It's very flowy and it's like, ooh, that's almost edgy, you know? He's got statements that he's making, but does it really tie into the song? Does it... Yeah. Where are you going with this? Yeah. What, 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 I, the sad thing about the 1975 for me, I think they're great. They're, they have a lot of great things about them, but the fans are kind of like, oftentimes, as with a lot of different facets of pop culture the fans kind of sour the taste of it a little bit for me like yeah. looking on the comments of this song on i don't even want to look oh my god the 1975 are criminally underrated <laughs> um, this song is so perfect i'm crying this is so beautiful and then someone this is the one that really got me cringe and they were like when Maddie Healy has a better flow than most rappers, Lamau. Oh, I'm, I'm like, so sorry for bringing up rap. No, no, no. Like <laughs> I, I, I think that it, it, it is fair to bring up rap because it is definitely an influence in the song. But like to say that he has a better flow than most rappers, like that, that's ridiculous. Now, you know, <laughs> he um, from some of his live performances, he I'm not saying he always does, but he almost has this like God's. God look upon himself where he will just 
pick a woman out of the crowd and make out with her during a guitar solo. Really? Yeah. Well, his older self. He wouldn't do that now. But, okay. Um, definitely his younger, like, first album sort of thing. And, um, you know, I can absolutely admit that when I find some connection between one part of the song and then, like, something that he did three years ago that he brought up in a single lyric and he... You know, with Robbers and Change of Heart, I was just... The first time I saw that, I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. He put a lot of effort into this. Um, it's because he does care about the music. I definitely think that it's something different than, yo, I'm just here to make money. Um, but on the other hand, he does have songs that are just there to make money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at somebody else. Yeah, Sony L's Chocolate was, like, the biggest one they have. Um, that was, uh, was it Girls off their first album was really just a pop song. Okay. And, you know, he would probably spit at this concept that... I'm wondering if he views himself as, like, a lyrical genius. I think he not. does. I think that, that also comes to one of my problems with them. I think that he thinks that they're like the next Radiohead or something. I think that he thinks that they're both commercially successful and like deeply impactful. Like, like their, their, their lyrics like need to be heard by the masses. When in reality, he's like talking like you're on your phone too much. Like that's like not, that's not an equivalent, you know, message to like, okay, computer, you know? Yeah. You'll see that a lot in the later albums where it's like, modernity has failed us in um i mean you could not have said it said it better there's literally a song called there's like a man who fell in love with his computer and he's not saying he's a boomer but he does have a lot of like very on the nose ideas i think that's what kind of irked me about the the greta speech and mm -hmm. the first song of the newest album where it's like we get it okay I, I believe that a lot of the audience that you're already reaching believes this stuff mm -hmm. where, um, I don't know, he's, it's almost like he'll say a good message as though he's the first person to say exactly. a good message. Exactly. Definitely. Um, the next song though, going, <laughs> we're, we've been shitting on him a lot, but this next song is actually pretty good. This, uh, is this the first instrumental? It, it's I mean, the, I like it when one. you sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I when I heard that there's it was a self titled song, I was like, oh, it's gonna be like, like the the heartbeat of the album, you know. Yeah. But it it, it it's cool. I don't know. I really liked it. What did you have to? What did you think about it? Uh, I believe you know, it's very. This is where he like dips into a lot of the instrumentals of the eighties. A lot of like the waviness, the synths, um, and they're. Even in this one, he's, it probably has some meaning that he views highly deepful. I mean, highly deep. Um, but before you go, turn the big light off. Before you go, please don't go. Turn the big light off. Um, and it kind of comes in as like a lighter part of the kind of wavier, slower uh, section that builds up to it. But, you know, instrumentally and the effort that I can hear put into this song in the studio is wild. It's, it really is. Like, it, it's got, like, this keyboard that's kind of going, and then, like, 
everything else kind of comes and goes sort of crescendoing and decrescendoing like around that Mm -hmm. um kind of reminds me of the song i haven't heard the song in so long but it reminds me of the song life in technicolor by coldplay oh nice do you know that one yeah i definitely uh you know he will do some uh british like he'll have some not just like talking head reference but like Coldplay, I know he's had even some interviews where he had mentioned some of the earlier being in, like into Coldplay and stuff like that. And I think he he might even be like a super favorite the type of people that looked deep and like wow, Coldplay. That's cool. Yeah, I mean Coldplay is a lot of good stuff, uh, especially earlier on. But also a couple more influences that I definitely saw in this one. Uh, some LCD sound system songs. I mean, a lot of their songs, I love LCD sound system. A lot of their songs sound similar. It sounds kind of like them. And then later on in this track, they've got a lot of samples that are weaved into it. I don't know where he got those samples, but it uh, reminds me of the first Avalanche's album. I, I really feel like they're, if I had two months, and this is kind of how I was originally seeing me talking about this album that I was going to figure out every single one of these samples. Oh, God. Because he he has... That's unnecessary. He has insane amount of samples that probably does have meaning. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff... I mean, almost unnecessarily, where it's like, you'd have to be... Actually, yeah, this kind of fits. his Some of his... To get every single one of his reference, you have to be as obsessive and almost like acidic as some of his fans are. Yeah, I bet. Where it's like, oh man, that's that was from the one uh, talk show of his like dead grandfather's uncle or, you know, something insane like that. Yeah. Um, and I bet those references are not few and far between, but, you know, there's a mix between... Katy Perry, like, oh, damn, we get it. You don't have to say that message again. And, like, what, is there a message to this song? Like, do I have to dig 7,000 miles to get what little info he's giving me here? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like, the late late track list highlight for me. Like, I, I definitely like that one. The next song is called The Sound. Yeah, I, um... First time I listened to this, I thought this was the pop garbage of the album. I was like, okay, yep, you just, it's a repetitive vibe. It's kind of going over and over again of, I know when you're around because I know the sound, know the sound of your heart. And then there was kind of this idea of telltale heart that yeah. kind of repeated for Okay, me. like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, yeah, where it's just like, and even towards maybe himself here, where he says, like, um, there's like, what does it matter if I lied to you? Where there, it's a lot of pointing fingers, but also, like, I think his arrogance might show through the kind of, like, hey, you're guilty. Hey, you're guilty. This is, like, I almost made this song to prove you wrong. Hmm. You're guilty? Well, I know the sound of your heart, like, oh, like yeah. I can read your mind. I know how you actually feel. Actually, I think you might have a lyric on this. So it, it's at, he's like, 
he he's subtly going not so subtly going at um is it like a relationship or something or yeah i mean was it um i don't regret it but i'm glad we're through so don't tell me that you just don't get it because i know you do it's like no no sorry you can't read somebody else's mind Mm -hmm. Uh, there might be some inferences that you're getting or some ideas of something that you might be obsessively going over yeah perhaps (laughs) perhaps yeah i mean speaking of being obsessive you know that that edgar Allan poe (laughs) telltale heart that that's a pretty that main character is pretty obsessive it's interesting that he he relates to that yeah, I, I don't think he specifically says that, but, I mean, there's a heartbeat throughout the entire oh. song, like a knocking, you know. Um, I just thought that was like a connection there that I oh. saw a few times. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, if that was kind of like a planned thing or not. I mean, but there there is a lot of... Uh, was it like... I forgot your name in there. It's like, you didn't need to say that. It was almost like a dig on somebody. Yeah. Can't believe I forgot your name. Oh, baby, won't <laughs> you come again? And it's not, he does not mean, like, this is a little edgy here and a little inappropriate, but, um, like, it won't you come over again. Basically, he's saying, like, hey, I made you orgasm. Yeah. Like, I have that effect on you. Yeah, and then he, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah. No, some of some of this stuff, uh, you know, very good instrument, uh, very good. Uh, what's the word? Um, production. Production on it, but uh, kind of mad genius where he'll like he's putting together a dead body sort of thing. Frankenstein. Yeah. Cool that Frankenstein could do that, but like you got to look <laughs> at what you're making here, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he kind of repeats this thing at the end over and over again for a few minutes, I think, where he's saying, I know when you're around because I know the sound, I know the sound of your heart. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's where I was really getting the, like, the telltale heart thing because it just kept going. Yeah. And going and going. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if maybe we were mistaken on this, but it definitely does. Sound. I really, I really hope one day that, like, let's say in the future, I somehow meet him and he never hears this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, I, I know for a fact, since I can't read his mind. I mean, we're just, we're just being absolutely, uh, what's it, subjective here? Where it's like, we're getting these ideas from his obsessive nature that we can see in here, and. I mean, if somebody told you, almost like rumors, like he's telling rumors about himself where we're getting these ideas from him, but I'm not exactly sure, was that your point? Mm-hmm. Was your point just the idea of the song and I'm reading too into it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, what is the next one? Uh, it's called This Must Be the Dream. We're on yeah. the last like six songs or something. Or the last six songs. Last, oh my last god! Four songs. He like five. Really, there really is a lot of songs in this album. Yeah. yeah, the last four. We're on the the fourth to last one. So this must be my dream. Mm-hmm. I did not really like this one, just because it it starts to go into that territory. If this is what I'm thinking of, let me let me make sure before I hate on it. 
But, I mean, a lot of it is cool, but it starts to go into that sort of boomer territory of being like, oh, yeah, the talk, yeah, it says the song where he's talking about, like, being on your screens and stuff, being on your phones. And yeah, adolescent on a phone. You know, I think, I think he, he almost enjoys that boomer caricature of that, like, edgy young kid you know he's not even he's not even like a gen z i mean he would he's like in the middle of the millennials right he's like 30 he's like he's 30 well he's around there i thought he was a zoomer oh no he's, he's I mean, well i guess he was making music in 2013 he's not yeah. a zoomer but um i i believe that this is kind of a wrap-up of that feeling that i was mentioning before between um robbers and change of heart all together in one song where it's like, this must be my dream. Like, wow, I actually found like the girl of my dreams. Mm. Psych. Um, so where is it? Um, let me tell you about this girl. I thought she'd rearrange my world. Takes a particular type of girl to put my heart under arrest. So why is this beating on my chest? Where it's like, wait a second, what's going on here? And that's kind of like a, I don't know, it's a weak way to put it. Um, in that, I don't like it. Those like simple rhymes I feel are like underhanded sometimes. Where yeah, that's where you could have gone more like in depth on it. Yeah, that's... yeah. I I honestly don't have like a ton on this song just because I feel like well that's it. Um, was it is this the sexy sax solo though? I, it is. Yeah, there's a good sax. Wow, I was really impressed by like how he wraps it up at the end with that, with the instrumental. Definitely. Like, that is 80s. Like, man, Bill Clinton, well, I <laughs> guess that was 90s. But I do feel like Bill Clinton on a sax when he was getting into government. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, but uh, really really leaning into I think he was doing this on purpose though the repeating of the this must be my dream that kind of um man what the heck is her name who was like the queen of pop in the 80s besides Madonna like, uh, uh I'm losing it uh, I don't know well just I, kind I of should like know, but that I don't. female superstar just kind of like very dreamy where it's like everything has like an uh like an idea idealistic view on itself. I'm looking it up. <laughs> I'm looking up 80, 80s female pop stars. Um, Paula Abdul? No. <laughs> Tina Turner? Oh, this feels... I don't know. Paula Abdul wasn't... Maybe Paula Abdul. I mean, her... She, I was thinking more... Uh... Oh, man. She's number one? Who wrote this list? Who the, who the <laughs> fuck? No, this is not... I mean, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in the eighties, so I, I'm not like the best uh, opinion on this, but okay, that is it. Maybe, maybe Madonna. List. Yeah, that's an awful list. Uh, let's just move on. That's <laughs> <laughs> so the next song yeah. is called uh, Paris, oh, and yeah. he's like, he wants to be in Paris. <laughs> yeah. Now, is this? I'd like. Maybe I'm looking too much into this one, but holding on to like. Uh, a point like a memory where it's just like 
okay, well, this is like the last time that I felt something. This is the last time where it was like, I have this memory in my head of this relationship or this, maybe this was before things started going downhill again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then that was, the imagery of that is Paris. Maybe he was in Paris at that time or something. And, you know, there's a a theme in this one where you'll hear notes being repeated from If I Believe You and um, even in later albums where there's themes of relationships and love. Mm -hmm. And he will tend to even use same chords in those songs when it's like regrets then he'll use different vibes there, and then addiction is completely... Addiction will be more chaotic, more like um, non-connected sort of thing. That's interesting. So he built like sort of like a soundscape of emotions. Yeah, which which is really cool, but comes from an obsessive mind for sure. Maybe he found like the perfect career for himself. Here. Yeah, I mean, being an upset—that's not necessary. That's not a bad thing, you know. Like yeah. you can harness it in good ways for sure. But I think we definitely see that—that that is a good point. You know, we do see the positive and the negatives of that sort of mindset that he has. We could we could go to the last song, which is called Nana, and that's about yes. his grandma. This is um, instrumentally. I mean, it goes completely acoustic. Ooh, wait, oh, oh. Right? Do we have? I think we have one more after this. Really? I I did not know that. I this is the last song I heard. That's okay. Uh, I can I can talk totally about she lays down after this one, but Nana, this one, as a young kid, is this the one that's acoustic or is that she lays down? Uh, that she lays down. Okay, yeah, never mind. Okay, I did hear that. Song. Uh, Nana is. Um, you know, the, someone, everyone has felt this and everyone will feel this. Someone very important in your life passes away. Mm. Um, but interesting enough, are we, you know, the more I think about it, I bet this guy has like a diagnosable OCD. Like he talks about it in this song specifically where he has sleepless nights thinking about his grandmother and just like going back to this idea of his grandmother, so he thought that he could put this these obsessive thoughts about his grandmother to rest by creating this song sort of thing. Okay, um, what are these obsessive thoughts? Oh, memories. Memories. Or memories. Uh, this is a perfect time to pull up lyrics on it, but um, from both uh, her attitude as a person, but um, regrets. I sat with you beside your bed and cried the, cried for the things that I wish I'd said, obsessively going over those thoughts and happy memories. I don't like it now you're dead. It's not the same when I scratch my own head. Hmm. I haven't got the nails for it. And um, an interesting connection back to if I believe you here, I know that God does not exist. And all, I don't even know that word, and all the pile of air surrounding it, but I'd like to think that you can hear me sometimes where, again, he, he wants, he loves this idea of, like, it's almost romantic 
with like religion and God and stuff, but he's like, well, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. Um, but finding eventually solace in creating this song and performing in live audiences. You know, you know, the first time I heard this song, this whole song for me just reminds me of December where you get kind of, um, I would almost call it like in a sick way, like fun depression where it's like seasonal, where it's like, ooh, let's put on the moody songs for Christmas and get the gospel <laughs> for like, yeah. If I believe you and you're getting into like the snowflakes falling, you're walking through Minneapolis at nights. That's kind of what this album paints a picture for me. And hearing this song at the last uh, lyrics, but I am bereft, you see, I think you can tell I haven't been doing too well. Mm -hmm. Is just like, oh, that's like, that's raw, non dramatic. I mean, he's. He's not doing great. He must have been pretty close with his grandma. Yeah. Um, I, at first, I thought he might have been like just raised by her, but I definitely think he had a connection with his mom as well. I just think, yeah, there was a very... She played a big part in his life. And, you know, was it? I think you can tell I haven't been doing too well. He almost is like quivering in the way he says that, like crying while recording this. Yeah. That's, so that's hard. He's, I mean, he's an emotional dude. He has poured his like emotion into this one. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's it's sad. But it's also relatable. I mean, it's a thing that everybody goes through, as you said. Mm-hmm. We could go to the last song now. She lays down. Yeah. The, yeah. As I said previously, thinking that that was the other song, this one has acoustic um background to it which is interesting yeah it kind of uh, starts out with him like plugging plugging everything in and just sitting down which some people might think is like a overused trope i think it works for this one though because it's so personal and raw to him mm-hmm. it's uh what is it um it's, it's about his mom yeah story of his mom i believe was it postpartum depression is what they call it and just like um i have this son i have to love him I don't care about anything sort of thing where it's, um, that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Well, it's like just like an absolute flood of emotions and then, and like physical chemicals to feel these things and nothing is left. I bet. Yeah. That's, um, my hair is Brown. She's scared to touch and she just wants to feel something. I don't think that's asking for too much. And when I go to sleep, it's when she begins to weep. And, you know, I'm not sure if this is just when he's a kid or his whole life from when he's a kid to their relationship. Yeah, I don't know. I guess his, I heard that his parents were actors. Whoa. Yeah, I, I have not. Whoa, I did not know this. Yeah. Or his parents. I don't know if they're really famous or not. I, I didn't recognize their names, but yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Um... What is it? Um, oh, yeah. I, I do believe it is kind of like throughout the life thing because you get um, in verse three. We got a plane. Oh, to see my dad again. She prayed that we'd fall from the sky simply to alleviate the pain. Like um, she is goes through her own like addictions and problems. 
throughout his life, and I'm certain that's affected him and his choices. Yeah. Um, but, like, living through that, and then I'm guessing she didn't tell him this as they were on the plane, but that this must have been, like, some sort of therapy session to to get through these emotions. Uh, that's a lot to lay out on a, onto your son, because he had to hear this somehow. It is. It's like, oh, well, to hear that your mom you know, didn't love you, that she, like, couldn't care less about you, that that you're almost just like an obligation and then learning to love you sort of thing. Like, Oh, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know much about it, but yeah, that's gotta be hard. I mean, clearly if he had to felt the need to write about it, it had to be emotional for him. And it is interesting that he, I mean, I think you touched on this earlier. The fact that it is, you know, acoustic, acoustic guitar and singing, basically this song. And, you know, with this sort of personal thing, I think that's why he did that, probably. He's like, this is... Actually, I don't know, you know. That, that's I don't actually don't know about that, because this whole album, you know, is all about his personal stuff. Like, like, <laughs> like I, to be one of his bandmates, you know. Yeah. Like, this isn't the Matt, Matty Healy band. This is the 1975. But it's all just him talking about his his personal stuff, which is cool, but, like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, I, I actually, I wonder how, like, in the newer album, I guess they are, like, all his lyrics. I mean, like, 95% of it, but later in it, they kind of, the newest album, they kind of get more into, like, how he feels about the connection between him and his band members. But I'm not sure if in his head there's... I mean, I definitely feel like there's a different emotional connection between me and my parents versus, like, me and this serious relationship I'm having sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, a deep, caring love where you you gave birth to me, you cared for me my entire life to before I could even remember it for just, like, years into, like, somebody basically where... Um, Hey, I could see a future with us. Is this possible, huh? Sort mm-hmm. of thing. Or it's like there's a heavier weight. Yeah. Well, I think we should maybe wrap up on this. That's probably the end of this song specifically. Um, oh my any- gosh, an hour and 20. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> hey, hey we're, we're talking about a long album. We're going to be talking for a while. Uh, so uh, anything more you'd like to say? sort of just like in general about this album yes uh i feel like you know a a troubled artist can create some amazing music Mm -hmm. but it will it will come with some flaws i Mm -hmm. mean yeah i mean as we as i said earlier i think that this a lot of really cool experimental trends are touched on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe <laughs> it's a little bit bloated. Um, you know, it would be better if he would have taken a lot of it out, I think. Yeah. It's it, And also, the 80s concept is cool. I, I guess he recorded this in 2016 before this became, like, the thing that everybody did. But 
at some point it's kind of, it's it's become overdone at this point. Yeah, I uh now this this is where I get cocky as a nineteen seventy five fan, where as I see bands after Bonnet Vare became larger, I be I see more of people copying that sound. Yeah. Uh, after bands like Mumford and Sons got big, I see bands copying that sound. And you know, and a lot of like I see nineteen seventy five get big and then kind of dream pop comes back with like a modern twist. Now is it entirely them? Hell no. I don't think this is dream pop. Well, you know, with the uh I'm like I'm thinking more like the acoustic uh instrumentals where um in some of what is it? Uh the third album of the of the set of four Oh, no, this one's more thing. this one's more third. More like poppy. I don't know where it's trying to soak up as much as the eighties as possible yeah. and use it for monetization. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then in recent years we're seeing that all throughout pop culture, you know, through mm. fashion, you know, TV shows like Stranger Things. Um the Absolutely. We- the Weekend's new album. I loved it, but it's eighties. <laughs> um but yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything more about this album. Man, I, I think I think we summed it up. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I think so. Almost obsessively. Yeah, yeah, maybe we're getting some of that. Um so but just closing notes, um where where has the nineteen seventy five been since here? We can do it quickly. Uh they released two albums and I feel like the next album is he gets even harder into drugs. And his he, life goes down. He, he he went back into drugs. Oh, he! I mean, this was like a diving board into drugs for him. And the next album is like, if this is cocaine, uh, the next album is heroin. He's and doing heroin like now? Or? No, the, uh, the fourth album is him getting out of that. But almost like, hey, I, uh, I got to start doing good stuff again. What's, and we said this earlier. And he's saying a lot of more good stuff. As if he's a, as if he's the first one to say it. Oh yeah. Um, not to say that there isn't some good stuff on the newer albums, but I feel like emotional stuff over political stuff is his wheelhouse. Yeah, definitely. I, I can totally see that here. And all right. Uh, last last thing. I, uh, you know if. If you're if you're gonna be describing nineteen seventy five to anybody that hasn't heard them before, what would you say? Uh, emotional, some basic, some really basic, some on the deeper side, some uh, personal. How do I sum this up? You know, uh, it's like a pop band from England that uh, can get personal. Okay, and um, if. Uh, if people like 1975, do you have any other recommendations of people that are similar? Oh, man. Not that I can think off the top of my head. I'm so sorry. That's uh, no problem. I'm sure we can, yeah. I'm sure you can just listen to 80s music if you like yeah. this album. <laughs> yeah, go listen to Prince again. Purple Rain. Yeah, it's a good recommendation. All right. Um, thanks for uh, joining us on this episode. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Nathan. for listening, everybody. All right. See you uh, next week. Bye.